I'm going to start out with this quote from Ravi Zacharias, because it fits with what we're talking about today. Uh, There's no greater discovery than seeing God as the author of your destiny. This is really one of the greatest discoveries, is to really believe that God is the author of your destiny, the author of your life. He's the giver of our life. And um, again, isn't it good then that we have a place to come, that we could gather together around the Word of God and learn about our destiny and the author of life? You know, we don't want to spend our life chasing after things that really, that don't matter. We don't want to spend our life working for things that do not count. Uh, The gift of life that we've received is not something that we should squander or waste. We need to understand what Scripture does say. God is the author of life. He's the author of your life. And if He's the author of your life, He has a destiny for your life. Mm-hmm. And it's and what we also need to do is find out, like Pastor Mamie says, we need to renew our minds to the Word of God so that, you know, the world has a definition of success, doesn't it? But the world's definition of success is flawed. It's actually opposed to the kingdom of God. And what God says is successful, well, don't we want to have that same definition? Mm -hmm. I want the same definition of what God says successful is, and then I want to be on that path to accomplish it. Amen? Mm -hmm. And and thank God we have a Bible. Thank God we have a Bible. There are people all over this world that do not have a Bible, that have just portions of the Bible. And they, they would give anything for a Bible. And then you, if you have a computer, you, you have probably 30 different English versions of the New Testament. And so this is what we're here for. We're here to help people know God. We want you to know God. If he's the author of your life, we want you to know him. And he has a purpose for your life, a real purpose, one of eternal value, not one that's just fleeting and just like a mist gone. He has a purpose for your life that has eternal value. And other people are attached to that. Other people are attached to that. By discovering who God is, by walking in His purpose for our life, we're going to experience life. We're going to experience His life, true life. You know, every Sunday we we give you a glimpse of, of who God is. Every Sunday we give you a glimpse of who you are in Christ. And this is just, a, 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 just one of many examples in the New Testament and Old Testament that tell you who you are. Now, I don't know, I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s, and the big thing was, who are you? Who are you? It's like you're not going to find out who you are until you find out God, because when you know him, you're going to find purpose, you're going to experience life, and that life will be fulfilling, and it'll be satisfying. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Hello. (laughs) You know, Christianity is dovetailed with suffering, crucifying your flesh, amen? 
But here's something really rich that uh, was probably something that really turned my life around when I started to read the New Testament. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified because uh, it really, it, it gets wordy. And what happens when we start to read the Bible, we start to go over it quickly. We do not allow those words to penetrate us. When you're reading the Word of God, Jesus says His words are spirit and they are life. You are a spirit. In order to receive that, you have to allow it to penetrate the deepest part of you. So we don't read the Bible just to get through it. Amen? Amen. Amen. We read the Bible because God is speaking to us. And because He's the author of your life, He wants to reveal things to you about yourself and about your destiny. And this is on our outline here. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human human point of view. In terms of a natural standard of value. No. Even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint as a man. Yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. He is the risen Christ. Amen. Look at this. Therefore, if any person is engrafted. Now, Listen, don't, don't just pass over that word. Engrafted. You need to see a picture of that in your heart about what this scripture is saying. Engrafted. It's kind of like that picture we put up a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. in the body. You are in literally in the body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. Listen to what it says. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ... He's a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Verse 18, but all things are from God. Who, Mm. through Jesus Christ, reconciled us to himself received us into favor and brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation Mm. that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God, verse 19, it was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. That's a good word. And committing to us the message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal, as it were, through us. We beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you. And be reconciled to God. For our sake. He made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become the righteousness of God, what we ought to be, approved 
and acceptable and in right relationship with Him by His goodness. This, this tells you who you are. Yeah. If you are in Christ, if you've been engrafted into Christ, He says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if He's the author of your life, and He has a divine destiny for you, this is part of it. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what picture comes to your mind with that? This is God's intention for your life and for my life. But do we really believe that we're a new creation in Christ? You probably had a self-conversation coming to church or getting ready this morning. How did that line up with being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Ooh. Sometimes we don't do so good there, huh? You're a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. All things become new. God paid the price for your failures. God paid the price for your rebellion against Him. Jesus paid the price. He shed his blood so that you could be forgiven, so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. He, Jesus, he restored the broken relationship between you and God. Yeah. Yeah. We sang that song, Holy is the Lord, and he is. But yet, the Bible declares that Jesus is able to present us to a holy father, blameless, faultless, blameless, faultless. You're justified just as if you never sinned. You are right now, not going to be, you are right now sitting right where you are, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you've accepted, if you've accepted forgiveness. Correct. For your sin. That's it. And that's the point. I mean, God, this is the point of the cross. You know, in America, you see crosses. You see, if you're Catholic, you know, Jesus hanging on the cross. Sometimes we just don't even understand the basics of the gospel. Right. I, I, I think we see crosses and we're so used to it. People wear them. They put them on their car. They wear them on their neck. Uh, but God paid, that cross represents God paying your and my sin debt. This is why we needed reconciliation. Yes. You know, think with me about that word, like it said in this scripture, it says God was present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. What does it mean to reconcile something? Why did we need reconciled? I mean, when two people reconcile, I mean, think about it in a marriage, you know, if a marriage relationship maybe at first, you know, you get married at the altar, everything is beautiful, and it's, it's you're, the hope is that it's going to just stay that way forever. But we know marriages go through rough times. And so let's say a marriage goes through rough enough time that it's like, it's, it's broken. It's pretty broken. 
So what this once beautiful relationship was now is broken, mm-hmm. and it needs reconciling. How do you reconcile? It, you have to do some hard work, don't you? Yes. You have to do some talking. You have to do some bearing of your heart. You have to do some forgiving to reconcile and to bring it back. I mean, this scripture, when it says he was restoring the world to favor with himself, he's bringing it back to what it was. Yes. It was originally beautiful with God. And you have to go back to the garden to understand your true beginning. As, and a, a mankind's true beginning began in the garden. This is why it's so important that we read the Bible. Amen. It's like, if you want to know your roots, go back to Genesis. This is where it all started. And so to restore something, in, to reconcile, is to take something that's been broken and bring it back into harmony and yes. bring it back into some, a beautiful original state again. This is, this is on our outline to restore is to bring or put back into a former or original state. And I could add in there something that was maybe beautiful. I mean, just think about it in terms of, have you ever restored a piece of old furniture? You know, you look at it, it's like chipped, it's marred, the varnish is wearing off of it. And, you know, sometimes we wonder, you look at it and you think, it was once beautiful. (laughs) Looking pretty bad now, pretty messed up, pretty worn out. And you just, you can look at it and go, I don't even know if it's worth all the time. Because if anybody, if if you've ever restored a piece of furniture, you know how that is. It's going to take time, it's going to take effort, and even some money. Sometimes you start doing this thing and it's like oh I didn't realize I had to buy that and I need this tool to scrape it and you know smooth it out and then the right varnish or whatever to put on top of it it's going to take work to reconcile something you know and if it's a a marriage I think sometimes with a marriage we just look at it and go eh oh it takes to reconcile it's effort and many people just look at their a broken marriage and go it's just easier to just divorce and and we think move on or, like, I think furniture, sometimes we've done that, because we have 100, our house is 120 years old, so we've got a lot of things in there that have been restored. But sometimes you get a piece of furniture, and you look at it, it's all marred and chipped and whatever. It's like, you know what, it's just easier <laughs> to put a couple coats of paint on it and forget about restoring it. It just, let's just go the easier route, because you don't want to put that much effort in. Our daughter's room. Yeah, Again, like, we have maple a, a, floors We have beautiful... House, yeah maple floors but the when you go into floors, yeah. Hannah's old room and there was carpet there and we noticed that well everything else is maple that has to be maple underneath there well we pulled up a corner you know how you take a peek underneath there you pull that up well we decided that what we're going to do is pull up that carpet and we're going to just redo those floors well we pulled up the carpet and the next thing we find, linoleum is down there. It's like, what? Yeah. Linoleum? Why is linoleum here? Linoleum. <laughs> so we scrape. Now, anybody is taking linoleum off of a floor? The back of it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, underneath that linoleum was Luan board. And there had to be tens of thousands of little <laughs> finishing nails all throughout that. Yeah. Okay, so someone must have thought this 
house was going to blow away in a hurricane. Like, pound down these, this wood and the floor. It's like, how many nails did you need? So this project, which we thought was going to be pretty easy, just get her in a sander, get, pull that carpet up, we get this going. Well, now we're doing that. Yeah. And, okay, it gets to a point where we're closing the door. <laughs> I'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> we come back. Get the next piece of Luan, pull all the nails up. And guess what's underneath that? <laughs> oh, thank God it wasn't. <laughs> but you know the roofing paper was laid down underneath that before you could get to the hardwood. And it was all like almost melted into the hardwood because yes. of over the years, it's just the moisture or whatever. So you so just sprayed it, sprayed it, sprayed it, sprayed it left. <laughs> it's like I would say to him, I'm going to go work in that room for about an hour. <laughs> you go in. It took us, I think, a year and a half to finish yeah. the room. It was like, just he looks great up. now. It looks great now. Yeah, it was. However, the effort, the determination, the expense, yeah. not just the expense of just the money, but the expense of your time. And see, this is one of the things that it's going to cost you to renew your mind to the Word of God. It's going to cost you your time. Yeah. It's going to cost you your time. And again, like I said earlier, it doesn't count that you're just quickly getting through it. You want to absorb it. You want those words to be alive inside of you. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if we're just blowing through it because... It's on my list to do. You're so missing think, the point. And, and that, that brings us back to this word reconcile. You could read that, and he reconciled and restored the world to pay for themselves, and you're just going on and on. But right. I thought, what did it take for God to do that, to bring restoration? Mm. And he must have looked at us. I mean, think about it. Like a piece of black in our sin, marred by sin, dead in our sin, dead Scripture says. Dead in our says. sin. But it'd be just like us looking at even those floors and going, you know what, this effort's going to be worth it because in the end it's going to be far more beautiful than it is now. And take it back, restore it to its original beauty. And I think that's what God is doing, reconciling the world to favor with himself. But when you look at Genesis, you have to like even, you start to read that story and you think, he said, I'm making you in my image, yes. in my likeness. I mean, even that we could pass over. What does that mean? We're so used to looking at human beings. But even in this scripture, it says, the, no it says consequently from now on, we don't estimate regard anybody from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards. I mean, we've got to even look at people and go, wait a minute, these are people. Every yeah. single person born in the earth is made in the image of God. We bear his image. And that God paid a great price to bring us back yes. into our original beauty. And it helps us. It helps me to just ponder that. Because I think, well, what? look at he, We were fully loved. He created Adam and Eve in love. Amazing earth brimming with life. And says, go have dominion. Enjoy yeah. the earth. Subdue it. Use all its resources for, for, for the sake of my glory and even your enjoyment. I mean, that was God's original plan, that we would rule and reign with him. And that's why the scripture says, when you read Revelation, we're going there. That's where Amen. we're going. We're going for that thousand-year reign where Jesus is going to be on the earth. And those who believe him, those who do believe in who he is, will rule and reign with him. Those who overcome. Yeah, those who overcome. 
But I mean, God's original, this was God's original plan. And I think to myself, the angels must have, they, they did, they yeah. looked on in awe of what he was doing. Satan was already a fallen angel at the time. I'm sure he looked on in jealousy and just supreme envy. This is why he came as a serpent in the garden to incite them to sin and disobey. I mean, his, his whole point was uh, he wanted us to lose our high privilege that God had originally given us at the beginning. If we don't understand these things, we can read and we don't even understand how great a salvation we've right. been given. And so Satan knew, I mean, he knew the consequence for his own previous sin and rebellion. You know, and so his scheme and strategy was to bring down the whole human race and sin and condemnation with him. And it worked. Yep. It worked. And so sin separated us from a holy God. This has been marred us completely. I mean, we say, we get up and we can say, I feel like a wreck. Well, I mean, we were wrecked from sin, spirit, soul, <laughs> and body. I mean, complete wreck, if you will. <laughs> you know, I, and we can thank God that he didn't look at us and go like, you know, you look at this old junky piece of furniture and go, it is not worth restoring. No, he looked at us and said, I'm paying the highest price. Right to get them back right. to their original place of glory and honor. Oh, how wonderful. He didn't say these fallen human beings, you know, I, and it, would, it wouldn't come through our own doing. He Correct. knew we had no way. Yes. You cannot take somebody's sin field and make them holy just in, in your own effort. You can't do it. We can't ever qualify to go to our back to our original position. It would take the work of Christ. It would take his work on the cross to do it for Hallelujah. us. Hallelujah. And then offer it as a gift. Not forcing it on you, offering it. See, we must believe. We must believe by faith. This is why, you know, your natural mind, Satan, which is part of our fallen flesh, will talk you out of it. This is what he did in the garden. Did God really say, mm. don't eat from that tree? And this is how he still talks today. Is that gospel message that she's preaching today really true? Yes. Are you right? really the yeah. righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Yeah. Let me remind you of what you did this morning. <laughs> it was just an example. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> we won't ask for testimonies. We'll just move right. <laughs> but it was because of his sacrifice. Because God is perfectly just and every sin must be paid for. There is a consequence to every sin. Even if you're just thinking wrong, if you're thinking contrary to the word of God, it's a sin, folks. If you're gossiping, it's a sin. So we have a lot of asking for forgiveness to do, don't we? We think if, well, as long as we didn't do something. And no, remember what Jesus said? If you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart with her. So we have anything that we think that is wrong that is contrary to God, that's a sin. We must ask God to forgive us. And the Bible declares that when we ask Him to forgive us, He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our unrighteousness and to restore us 
to this original state that we're talking about. And you know, verse, verse 21, if you want to take a look back there, it, it says, it, there's something I underlined in there. It says, for our sake. Did he do it for his sake? No, he did it for your sake. Amen. He did it for my sake. He, he, he was moved by love. He was moved by compassion and mercy. He was moved because he knew our potential. He did it because he favored us. And we didn't earn a single thing of it. Yeah. Nothing. Just like Pastor Mamie yeah. said, we were a complete wreck. Anybody been there? <laughs> the great Apostle Paul. Do you know what he said toward the end of his life? He said he was the chiefest of sinners. If he didn't arrive, you didn't arrive. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? <laughs> and I think, I think you know, the Apostle Paul, this is some of what we want to try to get across in this message. Like you must put yourself in remembrance. Like he, Paul remembered what he did. Mm -hmm. God was not accounting it to his, putting it to his account. But it helps us to, under, to, to value our salvation yes. when we understand how far lost we were in sin. We've been given so great a salvation. I think it, as we spend more time meditating and looking into the truth and all that it means about our, God's original intention for us and what sin did to humanity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it helps us. It, it, I think it begins to excite us. But he restores us on our outline. He he restored us to favor. This, this was his own doing. It was his own purpose in it. You look at this scripture. This is incredible. 2 Corinthians, it's a great chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, talking about Jesus. He died for all so that all who live, having received eternal life from him, look at this, might live no longer for themselves to please themselves, but to spend their lives pleasing Christ who died and rose again for them. When we see our life, our, this, this golden gem, this incredible gem that God has created us to do, to be, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you put that on the backdrop of your past, of your sinful nature, and what is that, that life that you walked away from, and you... Put that jewel, that new creation on top of that. There's a big contrast to it, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, it's like a jeweler. Think of how, you know, have you ever gone into a jewelry store? You want to see some certain ring, maybe a diamond or, you know, and they pull it out and often they'll put like a piece of black velvet down. Mm-hmm. Put the ring on it. Put the diamond up in certain so the light shines on it, right? And you're looking at it with that black velvet and the light and the diamond, and you're looking at that diamond, the gem or whatever, and going, "Wow!" <laughs> because against the black velvet yep. and the light shining on it, it the beauty, the brilliancy of that diamond sh shines through. And I think it's a wonderful way for us to see ourselves in our salvation because Scripture all throughout says what we've been given in Christ is like the riches of Christ. Yes. You know, that it's a gift that is many-faceted. And 
when right. we lay our past, I, one of the best, greatest revelations we could really get is a, a, a true glimpse of our lostness, of the, the sin in our life and what it's done to us. I know nobody wants to go there because often we feel bad about ourselves enough. It's like, well, who wants to pray for that? But and some of us think, well, I haven't even been that bad in my life, you know, compared to so-and-so. I haven't done that. <laughs> and so we could sort of, you know, judge ourselves as I haven't. Come on. Do we not do a little bit of that? But the scripture says we were all in the same sinking boat. Right. You know, we were all dead in our sin. And I, I, I remember asking God that, thinking, well, you know, it seems like this is such a great thing. Why does my heart not feel like I understand it? Because, and then he began to show me pieces of my own life and what it meant to be lost in your sin. Uh, you know, Jim Dumont, Pastor Jim Dumont just gave his testimony. I don't know how many of you were here last week. Pam and Jim Dumont gave that amazing miracle testimony of Jim being raised from the dead. And I read his book, that, the book, Let's Pray. And he gives a testimony of the beginning of his life in Christ. And it was quite astounding, really, because God gave him a vivid revelation of how lost he was. And he was a college student, sort of just forgot about God in his life. And Pam had gotten saved first, and she's praying for him. And he just by, by truly, I mean, this is a gift, really, a gift of the Spirit. Right began to show him how lost he was. And if you read the testimony, he's on the floor. He said, I was literally like calling out like tears, a puddle of tears. And she said, I was getting concerned that people, because they were in a dorm, were going to hear him almost wailing under the weight of seeing how lost he was and how much he needed a Savior. And without a Savior, he'd be condemned to hell. Oh, my. And when he came out of that, I mean, he, he was born again that day. And that sparked him in an understanding and really sparked him on his path into ministry and even telling other people about yeah. how good God was. And I think most of us, most, a lot of times we hear about how good God is, but we just kind of sit there and it's like it doesn't affect us often the way it needs to. Right. Because there's not a revelation of how lost and black and condemned we were in our sin. I mean, often sometimes it's described as total depravity. We were spirit, right. soul, and body lost and with no way back to our original condition. But, you know, but God. But God. <laughs> but That's, God. Yeah. But, you know, with our salvation, you know, we're given eternal life. We, we really are made the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living Christ comes and dwells with us. We get purpose. We, grace is poured upon us. Grace and favor just come to us. Overcoming faith has been deposited in you and in me. We really are new creations in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We really are. And when our hearts are open up enough to receive it, to see it, it'll put you on a new plane. It'll put you on a different trajectory in your life. When we, when we realize this, let me tell you what, your hands are going to be up worshiping God. You're going to be shouting out. Yeah. Girls, you won't care if your makeup runs. <laughs> and that's so true. It's so true, is it not? Yes. The more that you understand how much you've been given in Christ, the easier it is to just stand up and say, oh, God, I worship mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. more unashamedly. Yeah. 
versus like going, well, I'm just, I, you know, I feel kind of, and you can, we have all felt awkward, yeah. but the more you meditate on the truth, the more you realize I'm, I'm going to shout about yeah. it. I'm going to tell somebody about yeah. it. And you know, Pastor Mamie said, but God. This is yeah. those are two great scriptures. Yeah, look, two, but two God. words. Ephesians this is two. yeah, but God. Yeah. This talks about our 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 dilemma. No possible way of being reconciled back to God within our own power, within our own goodness. Totally impossible. And we were dead in our sin. And this is the next two words, but God. <laughs> but God. So rich is He in His mercy. Because of, and in order to, listen, in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Ever meditate on that? Think about how intense God's love is for you, personally, right where you are. That could change your life. Rich in his mercy. Because of the love which he loved us. And when you were at your worst, when you were at your worst, he intensely loved you. Even when we were dead in our sin, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. For it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you and I did not deserve, that you're saved. Look at this. This is, again, goes back to the original tent in the garden. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere in Christ Jesus. Amazing. And he did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable rich. Riches of his free grace in his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. For it is by free grace that you're saved through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Not because of works, lest any man should boast. Look at here. For we are God's own handiwork recreated in Christ Jesus, that we may do those good works which God predestined for us, that we should walk in them. And now, really, the church needs a revelation of this very scripture. We do. That we were dead in our sin. But yet he made us alive because of the intense love with which he loved us. But you know what we do? We, We... Instead of looking at the diamond or the jewel that's on top of that black velvet, we look at the black velvet. I'm so messed up. I'm so unworthy. I've sinned again. I can't do anything right. I'm not able. I'm addicted. I'm broke. I'm sick. (laughs) You and I got to decide whether we're going to believe God or we're going to believe ourselves. I, for one, I know I'm not that smart. So I think I'm going to believe God. <laughs> that makes it safe yeah. for me. Yeah. That means we, we have to, you know, s- stare more, if you will, at yeah, the yeah, diamond. Yeah. And like, look at that. 
Because scripture says, keep our eyes on things above, not on things of the earth. That's really what that's meaning. Like, look at your life yes. from an eternal viewpoint of what God has done. Like, stare more <clears throat> at the diamond. Put more yes. faith in examining that. Like, so often we just ruminate about all of our, if I should have done that, and I, you know, I, I probably, and we, we beat ourselves down. And yes, there are times we need to repent of what we've done wrong. Correct. But after that, we have to believe also that God says, I'll cleanse you from all yes. unrighteousness when you confess your sin and, and bring you back into favor. And so you just stay, then look at the facets of what he's done for us. Stare at that, examine yes. that, explore that, turn it around like you would a diamond, like shine in the light, like, oh, wow, look at the colors that come through that way. When you, when you look in the Word of God, that's what happens yes. as we meditate. But what takes time, this is part of the, even this, our own effort. Is it worth it to us? And we have to tell, ask ourselves, like going forward, do I do it enough? Maybe this is my problem. I'm staring too much at the black, and I'm not looking enough at the diamond. And, mm. you know, what if I told you that you're freedom? Because Scripture tells us that, you know, from whatever it is that afflicts you, whether it's a fear that you have that chases you or these insecurities, a yeah, twisted mindset, right, right. you know, about your life, about your past, a bodily affliction, relationship problems that you find yourself in. Freedom from those things actually comes not from striving more in your own strength to change it. This year, I'm going to really just, I'm going <laughs> to do this thing. It really, I have found that the Lord has told me, quit your striving, quit your trying, you're not, you, and rely more there. on what I've done for you. It's just the grace of God to come into your life. I've already given you the power to do it. I've already equipped you with it. And so it's a matter of quitting. It's, we put this on our outline. Quit trying more and start relying more on who you really are. Yes. Because on your worst days, if you start to remember, wait a minute. He's restored me to my original position. Did I somehow fall from it? No. The devil is the one, your flesh is the one talking to you saying, you're just a worthless nothing. It's like, wait a minute. I know who I am in Christ. I'm going right. to stare at the diamond. It's like I'm going to look at the beauty of what I've been given in Christ in my salvation. You know, stare at the truth. Meditate on the truth. Chew on the truth. Chew on it. The riches like of what we've been given by the grace of God. Like, I am a new creation, right? It said the old has passed away, the new has come. But almost so often every day we get up, it's like it's still the same old me. It's like, well, according to Scripture, it's not, right? According to Scripture, the new, the new's already come. See, it's yep. like I'm looking at the black. It's like look at, this, look at the gem, look at the riches in Christ. Meditate on it. Think about it. Declare it out of your mouth because it'll take mind renewal. Do you think it's worth it? Hey, you might be just like at Hannah's bedroom. <laughs> Pull the carpet up. Yeah. What? Linoleum. <laughs> Pull the linoleum. What? What board? Who put all these nails in here? <laughs> it's worth it. Yes. It's, it's worth, worth it. it. You're, God put the value on you. To send his son, Jesus Christ. So that you, when you put your faith in him, you actually become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
If the church starts to think this way, do you think we'd have more miracles? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'd have more signs and wonders? Do you think the love would abound? Do you think that we would be able to offer forgiveness more readily if we recognize who we are in Christ? And seeing how much we've, you've been forgiven, it's easier to give forgiveness when you realize, ah, I deserve just as much forgiveness as And as if that doesn't move you, remember the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You hold something against somebody, guess what? God's holding something against you. That's a scary thought. Yeah. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. This is powerful. We Amazing get... what's in that Bible. <laughs> now, if you are born again, you are born of God's Spirit. Right. You have to remind yourself of that. All right, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me, and He is a spirit of liberty because we are liberated from our sin. And the bondage that it would cause us in our life. We're liberated to live as a new creation. Amen. This scripture in verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... What? Liberty. Yeah. Emancipation from bondage and freedom. And so this Spirit of liberty is on the inside of you, wanting, really, He wants to live through you. And all of us, this tells us even how. In all of us, it says, verse 18, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God, there. as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. So it's, in other words, when I'm reading the word of God, I'm really reading about who I am. And this is my Bible. I am who it mm-hmm. says I am. It's like, so we don't know. You don't know who you really are until you read this. Right. And it begins to mirror back to your spirit. And the Holy Spirit starts to witness to your own heart. This is what I did for you. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is how you're meant to live. I'll give you grace to overcome and to live it out. Yes. And so it says, all of us with unveiled face, we continue to behold in the word of God is in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's a supernatural life we live as a Christian. This is why this Bible, the living words, we must feed our spirit. It's bread to us. It's life to us. It's water. And like we, as we open it up, it begins to mirror yeah. from the Holy Spirit. This is what I've done for you. This is who you are. Trust me. Rely on me. Don't look at yourself. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. And he, you will find the freedom that you're looking for. Yes. It's not going to come by your own effort. It's going to come by relying on who he's made you to be yeah. and giving you the grace to even mm-hmm. walk it out. Mm-hmm. I think if the church... The church not just Community Life Church, but the church in general, all over the world, it starts to awaken to the, our, the true identity. I, I think the devil is, would shake in his boots. Yeah. I, I think it, it's. I think once we recognize who we are and how we've been lied to so often, I think it would be really quick for us to recognize the voice of the enemy. No, that's not how God thinks about me. 
that is, I know you're a liar, devil. That's a lie. And then you go right to the Bible and say, I don't know if you can read or not, but let me show you where it says that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But see, the, the devil, and this is what we have to understand, there is spiritual warfare yeah. going on behind the scenes of everyday life. It's so important that we know that so that you understand who your enemy is. Scripture says it's not flesh and blood, but it's principalities, powers, yeah. and rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places that influence the thought life the thought and life. the perspective of our mind. This is really where the battle is. It's up here. This is the influence. It's the thought life where the enemy comes mm -hmm. in. And if the church begins to wake up to her true righteousness, what we've been given. Yes. I mean, this is the devil's scheme. He's working hard to keep people blinded. Right. So that we don't wake up and go, oh, so great a salvation I have. And I'm going to spend my life searching it out, living it out, mm -hmm. talking about it with other people, going on mission for the sake of what God's called this earth to do. I mean, it was a mystery, Scripture says, hidden from the foundation Correct. of the world. That angels long to look into, into it, what we've been given, right? Like the grace that we've been given. Because fallen angels receive no forgiveness. But we did. That's why they hate you. That's why. They, that is why. There's envy there. They must look at us, though, and shake their heads. Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, look at us and go, look at them. They don't even care to pick up their Bible and read it. They don't understand. It's full of living words that'll redeem them, that'll, that'll help them to walk in the truth and the light. Good. Let them go. Keep them distracted, right? Yeah, they Keep them even, blinded. You know. Sunday's the only day I can sleep in. Sheep, lost sheep. Let them just be <laughs> dumb lost sheep. Good. You know, like just That's right. That's what let them saying. fall off the cliff, right? I mean, it's what a great way for Satan then to mock God and his oh. plan, to have his chosen and forgiven people Never receive and walk in the truth. It must break the heart of God to think, I, my son, I gave my son to die for these people, these people that I've chosen. And they just, they don't get it. And I, think, I thank God for the local churches. I thank God for churches that preach the gospel. Amen. And an opportunity for us all to awaken to yeah. our righteousness. Because when the church begins to really awaken to her righteousness, all hell is going to yes. quake. Think about it. Think about if every one of us in here, just this small group, 120 people in the upper room <laughs> went out and began, changed the world, turned the world upside down. Church, do we want that? Yes. Will we spend the effort yes. to find out who we are in Christ? Is it worth our time? I mean, this is, there was a divine exchange. This is on our outline. There was a divine exchange that happened at the cross. This is another way to think about it. All of your sin, all of my sin poured into the sinless Christ. Him who knew no sin, he became sin for us. That all of his goodness and righteousness would pour into you. Wow. Pour back it. The divine exchange. He took all of our sin and he gave us back all of his righteousness. I mean, really, I think if we all had a true revelation of it, everybody in this room would stand up and shout and say, Lord <laughs> <Glory laughs> God! I look forward to the day that happens. Amen.
that we just kind of break out. We pray for God, you know, open our eyes to see it. I mean, so the bottom line in all that is, so what are we supposed to do? The bottom line is we owe him a debt. We do owe him a debt. Yes. And it's our life. Come on. It is our life. You know, if we are not given all this by him to ignore and squander. He did, he did it for his own purpose, it says in Ephesians. He had a plan in mind to bring, restore us back into a fellowship with him, of, of a family to love. Do you know how the, Pastor Mamie brought this up about how the devil can mock God by uh, God's people not even paying attention to church, not paying attention to the word of God. But look at our high and exalted position. This last scripture, Ephesians 3.10. Uh, the purpose is that, listen, underline this, through the church, through the church, the complicated Many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, the principalities and the powers in the heavenly sphere. God wants to use you and I to manifest his great wisdom. Yeah. Then that great wisdom would then embarrass all the fallen angels, yeah. Satan himself, but we all have to do something. Yeah, yeah. We all have to do something. We it's, all have to do something. And it's a desire, yeah. of course, to live for his glory and not our own. Because that's really what the, that is the purpose of God for our lives, to understand this very thing, the foundation of who we mm -hmm. are in Christ. And then give our life for the way he gave his life yes. for us, that we give our life for him. That's, that is really the divine exchange. And so, you know, sometimes we think we're waiting on heaven. Like we put this on the outline. Are we waiting on heaven? Because sometimes we think, God, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm just waiting for something to happen. Maybe heaven is waiting on us to yes. believe, to really believe who we are. For you to make a decision, you know, about yeah. your own life. And what do we do with this amazing grace we've been given? Is it to squander and just do whatever I want and to just feel good about myself? Obviously not. <laughs> I mean, if you are born of God's spirit, do you gaze into the word of God to find out why you're on the earth? The people he wants you to be a part of because you're not meant to do this life alone. Amen. As a believer. Amen. You're part of a body. And see, all these things are just stepping stones for the truth to keep breaking out <laughs> because we hold back. Well, I like this part, but I don't like that part. And we kind of <laughs> want to pick and choose how we want to live out our salvation. But when the church unifies around yes. this very thing, that I'm willing to give my life for, for, the, ca for the call for the kingdom, and then for one another to go, yes. for all of us together to say, um, let's do this together. That's when the church is going to get strong. Praise you know, and God. we're not going to be, I, I think to myself, we're not going to be like, you know, the devil, he, he lied to us, you know, like he looks on us and thinks, I want to keep them blinded. And I think, no, we're going to wake up to our yes. righteousness. 
and recognize that he's lied to us. And he's still scheming to steal from us. But we've seen the light. Amen. We have truth in our hands. We have everything we need to live an overcoming life, to overcome the tests and the trials, to run our race and finish our course. Come on. And in the meantime, if this is not a personal thing that we do, we do it in the midst of a mission. The kingdom has a mission to spread and be the word and to be an ambassador for him because we yes, saw that in exactly. 2 Corinthians. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation to tell others. So your co-worker, your friend, your neighbor, your family member, God's counting on us. We're waiting on heaven. Maybe heaven's waiting on us to say, why don't you open your mouth? Why don't you say something? <laughs> Tell them about me. Invite them to church. Yes. God. You know, the scripture we looked at, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. Maybe you're here today and, and you haven't really partaken of this. You, you've heard about the Christian thing. Uh, the key is this is all reality and God wants your life reconciled back to Him. He wants you to put... He wants to put you back in Christ. He wants you engrafted in Christ so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that on that day when you stand before him, because of the blood, because of your faith in that sacrifice that Jesus made for you, you're faultless. You're blameless. You can have confidence to come before the throne of God You know, the Bible declares that those people outside of Christ are under the wrath of God. And so what we're saying to you right now, be reconciled to God. Come out from underneath the wrath of God. It's like that scripture said, I plead with you. Yes. Be reconciled to God. Think about the alternative. If you believe the truth, scripture says the alternative is eternal damnation. This is why God says Jesus will give you eternal life because the only alternative is to be stay lost in your sin forever. And there's a place in the Bible it calls the lake of fire. Yeah. And Jesus has made a way that nobody needs to go there. And so we just give you an opportunity this morning before we close out the service to make to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Be reconciled to God. Receive his favor. If that, if that is you, you know, just every head bow, every eye closed, you know, this is just between you and God. You feel like, I've never done that. I need forgiveness for my sin. I desire eternal life with Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand because it's just an act of faith. And we'll pray a prayer with you and you will be born again. Is there anybody in here that wants to make Jesus Lord of their life today. Ask him into their heart. Anybody? Don't pass up the opportunity. Okay. All right. Jesus.